Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Sunday Morning with the Love and Action. I am Ken Tuck. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you are having a good Sunday, and I hope you're ready to study more about the accuracy and reliability of the Bible. We did the first part of this study last week, and I want to encourage you, if you missed that, you can check it out on our Love in Action podcast, which is available on Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Audible, Spotify, Podbean, pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts, you can find the Love in Action podcast. So I encourage you to go back there. You can also go to our website, loveinactionministries.com, and scroll down to the bottom of the screen, and you can listen to our podcast there as well. encourage you to do that. As last week, we looked at manuscripts and evidence from manuscripts on the reliability and the accuracy of the Bible. And so today, we got more to cover, so let's go to our Heavenly Father in prayer first. Father God, we want to thank you, God. You are awesome. You are worthy of all praise, honor, and glory. There is none like you, God. You are the one true God. And we want to give you praise, Lord. We thank you for loving us like you do. We thank you for wanting us to be with you for eternity so much that you sent your one and only son, Jesus Christ, to die for us, to pay our penalty for our sins. And then you raised him from the dead. Give all who believe eternal life with you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you so much. Oh, we can just thank you and praise you for all eternity, ever and ever and ever. And Lord, we just thank you for this time now that we have to talk about your word, study your word. Thank you for the opportunity to be able to come on the radio and talk about your word, Lord. What a blessing it is. We pray your blessings upon the Joy FM. Lord, I thank you for everyone who is listening. You know each and every need, and we give them to you, Father God. Lord, we thank you that you tell us in Matthew chapter 6 that if we will seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, these things that we have need of, you're going to take care of. Lord, it's not our wants, it's our needs, and you know what we need. And so, Lord, we thank you for taking care of us. And, Lord, I pray that if anyone listening today does not have that personal relationship with you, I pray today is their day, that they call on the name of the Lord Jesus and be saved. We ask your Holy Spirit to teach us, lead us, and guide us into all truths, and may we be doers of your word and not hearers only. We love you, Father, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, last week, as I mentioned, we talked about, we started talking about the accuracy and reliability of the Bible, and we looked at manuscripts, and a few of the points that we pointed out were the number of copies of the original Bible that we have. We know that there are 5,686 handwritten Greek New Testament manuscripts, and that there's 10,000 Latin Vulgate, which that was the late 4th century Latin translation of the Bible. And there's close to 25,000 manuscript copies of portions of the New Testament which exist today. And we talked about how other ancient literature that is popular and people take as was truly written at that time. And we looked at uh, Iliad by Homer and how the date was 800 B.C. and the earliest copy was 400 B.C. So that's a 400-year gap and how there's 643 copies of that. And then you looked at, we looked at Julius Caesar, the Gaelic Wars, and the, the time was 100 to 44 B.C. and the earliest copy is 900 A.D., so that's a 1,000-year gap, and there's 10 copies. And, and there's many others that we can look at. But when we look at the New Testament and we have all those copies of them, 5,686 copies of that New Testament. And 
that's a 50-year gap, just a 50-year gap there. And the overwhelming evidence of just that alone should be enough to cause us to, to say, yes, the Bible is accurate and the Bible is reliable. But we're going to continue that study today. We're going to look at archaeology prophecy, and statistics to continue our study of, is the Bible reliable and accurate? And as I mentioned last week, we're using a process called MAPS, M-A-P-S, and that stands for Manuscripts, Archaeology, Prophecy, as well as Statistics. And as I mentioned last week, this material, the bulk of it, comes from Meekness and Truth Ministries. Let's look at some at what we find with archaeology. Because, you know, there, there's always a dig site going on in Jerusalem and throughout Israel and, and the Middle East. Archaeology is always fascinating to me. That Well, one, that they actually have the patience to do that. I, I just could not do that. But they are very meticulous in, in these sites that they dig. And they find all these pieces of Sometimes it's a it's it's a plate. Sometimes it's a building. Sometimes it's a manuscript. Sometimes it's you know just all kind of stuff that they find, and it's it's fascinating to me. And we're going to call this part the testimony of the stones. We know that number one, there's no archaeological evidence that has ever refuted the Bible. Think about that. No archaeological evidence has ever refuted the Bible. That's pretty astounding, right there. And secondly. Thousands of archaeological finds actually support the Bible. So instead of finding evidence that shows something the Bible's not true, we find thousands of archaeological finds that support the Bible. Some of those discoveries are the fact that Egypt Pharaoh Shishak attacked Israel. And we, we read that in 1 Kings chapter 14, verse 25, where we read, In the fifth year of King Rehoboam, Shishak, king of Egypt, came up against Jerusalem. And it goes on to talk about what Shishak did and and the articles that he had had taken out of Israel. And that is confirmed by the walls of the temple of Ammon. So they found that, and that proved, again, from the Bible, that it was accurate and, and that it's reliable. Then we can look at Moab's revolt against Israel in 2 Kings chapter 3, verses 4 through 27. And that's confirmed by the Mesa inscription, this tablet that they found, and and it confirms that. And so there's another piece of archaeological evidence. And then in the 19th century, the Bible was accused of being fictitious because no non-biblical texts had been written about the Hittites. But hold on, in 1906, there was a dig in in Hattushash, which proved that it had been the capital city of the Hittites, therefore silencing the skeptical scholars and archaeologists once again. I always laugh when I hear a skeptic talking about things like that, and then another dig happens, and it proves that the Bible was indeed, and is indeed, accurate and reliable. You know, there was talk at one time that there was no such person as Pontius Pilate, but there was. (laughs) Because, and of course, I knew there was because it's in the Bible. But some people who just got, got to have that further proof were skeptic because they're trying to prove that the Bible's wrong. Well, in 1961, they found the Pontius Pilate perfect of Judah. They found this inscription, and the date was 26 to 37 AD, exactly when 
he was written about in the Bible. It lines up perfectly. And then we can move on to the book of Acts and the accuracy of Acts. And there's this one term used for, for rulers of the city called politurch. And people didn't think that that was an actual title, but yet archaeological finds proved that it is. In fact, they, they found some 19 inscriptions have now been found that makes use of this title. And five of those are in reference to Thessalonica. And it shows once again that this Bible that we were talking about that we read is once again accurate because that term, it was a Hellenistic and Roman era Macedonian title for an elected governor of a city. Acts had already attested to that. And then, as I mentioned, modern archaeology had digs and they found that title. So we see once again that the Bible is reliable and it is correct. Here's a conclusion from a a skeptic, Nelson Gulick, in his book, Rivers in the Desert, he wrote, As a matter of fact, however, it may be stated categorically that no archaeological discovery has ever controverted a Bible reference. Scores of archaeological findings have been made which confirm in clear outline or exact detail historical statements in the Bible. So, once again, archaeology proves time and time again that the Bible is accurate and it is reliable. And here's a a reporter's conclusion here. Jeffrey Shelter on his book or article, Is the Bible True? And that was in the U.S. News and World Report back in 1999. And he wrote, in extraordinary ways, modern archaeology has affirmed the historical core of the Old and New Testaments, corroborating key portions of the stories of Israel's patriarchs, the Exodus, the Davidic monarchy, the life and times of Jesus. So time and time again, people are lining up to say, look, I've studied this. It went in as a skeptic, but now I see that it's true. The Bible's reliable. The Bible's accurate. And here's from a scientist's point of view. James Dana, Yale professor and president of the Geological Society of America and the American Association for the Advancement of Science. Ooh, that's a mouthful, isn't it? (laughs) But he's quoted in the Bible, Fact or Fiction, by Robert G. Whitley. James Dana writes, The grand old book of God still stands, and this old earth, the more its leaves are turned over and pondered, the more it will sustain and illustrate the sacred word. So once again, that, that's from a scientist's point of view there. So again, time and time again, the Bible proves to be true. And now the next question that people ask, how do we know that the Bible is not just a myth that was embellished over the years? Fair enough question. Let's continue to look at it. Archaeologist William Albright wrote in a book called Toward a More Conservative View in Christianity Today about could Couldn't the stories about Jesus be a myth that was invented over a period of time? And he says, rephrasing the question. We need to rephrase it, he says. I would answer that, in my opinion, every book of the New Testament was written by a baptized Jew between the 40s and 80s of the first century A.D., very probably sometime between about A.D. 50 and 75. And then he goes on to write, we can say emphatically, that there is no longer any solid basis for dating any book of the New Testaments after about A.D. 80, two full generations before the date between 130 and 150 given by the more radical New Testament critics of today. So some people, some critics were saying that was written later. And so 
things could be made up. But we see that it wasn't, and all the manuscript proofs that we have, all the archaeological proof that we have, shows that they're way off base. It was definitely written, as Albright says here, between 50, 75, 80 at the latest A.D. A Roman historian, A.N. Sherwin White, says this, For the acts of confirmation of historicity is overwhelming. Any attempt to reject its basic historicity must now appear absurd. Roman historians have long taken it for granted. William Lane Craig, a scholar, he says this, The tests show that even two generations is too short to allow legendary tendency to wipe out the core of historical facts. So that gap we talked about between when it was written and the first copies, you know, only 50 years. Again, that's not enough to wipe out the hardcore facts of historical facts that are in the Bible. So we see that through manuscripts, the Bible is reliable and accurate. Through archaeology, the Bible is reliable and accurate. Now let's look at prophecy. J. Barton Payne in his Encyclopedia of Biblical Prophecies lists 191 prophecies that were literally fulfilled in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let me uh, say that again. Prophecies from the Old Testament. 191 prophecies that were literally fulfilled in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And let's look at some of them. The place of his birth. The prophecy is in Micah chapter 5, verse 2, where we read, But you, O Bethlehem, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient of days. The manner of the birth of our Messiah, Jesus. We can find that prophecy in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. But you know Emmanuel means God with us. We know that Judas sold out Jesus for 30 pieces of silver, and that prophecy can be found in Zechariah chapter 11, verse 12. Then I said to them, If it seems good to you, give me my wages, but if not, keep them. And they weighed out as wages 30 pieces of silver. Even the way Jesus would die on a Roman cross was prophesied in Psalms 22:16. For the dogs encompass me. A company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. You know, these prophecies are just amazing. This one here was written in 587 B.C. At that time, crucifixion was not even a punishment. Nobody did that. That wasn't a punishment for anybody. But all those years before Jesus was to be crucified, it was prophesied. And when you read prophecy like that and you see how Jesus fulfilled that prophecy, there's no way that you truly can't say that he's the Messiah and that the Bible is not accurate and is not reliable because it is. I mean, proof after proof after proof shows this. And the prophecies are just, they simply blow me away. And every time I'm reading the New Testament and I read a prophecy about Jesus and I know he's fulfilled it and that, man, I just get so excited because Jesus truly is the Son of God. He truly is the Messiah. He truly is the Savior who came to pay the price for our sins, to give us eternal life, to bring us back 
to the Father. So the, the prophecy and the messianic prophecy is always so exciting to me. And we also see people's reaction to the crucifixion of Jesus Christ being prophesied in, in Psalms 22 as well. Psalms 22 is, is an intriguing chapter, and I encourage you to read that and just see how it just jumps off the page at you, the prophecy of the crucifixion of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Zechariah 12.10 even prophesies how Jesus would be pierced in the side when he was, he was on the cross. And in Isaiah 53, 9, we read about the prophecy that the Messiah will be buried in a rich man's tomb. And so that's just seven or eight prophecies out of 191 that Jesus has fulfilled. So we see that in manuscripts, the Bible is proven to be accurate and reliable. We see in archaeology that the Bible is accurate and reliable. And we see by reading prophecy and knowing what Jesus did, how he fulfilled that prophet, those prophecies, that the Bible is reliable and it is accurate. And so in that method that I, I talked about, MAPS, M-A-P-S, Manuscripts, Archaeology, Prophecy, and Statistics, we're going to move into that last part now in statistics. And this stat here that I'm about to give you, it's, it's just mind-blowing. And again, it, it just shows you the accuracy and reliability of the Bible, the statistical probability of these eight prophecies all being fulfilled in the life of Jesus is one times 10 to the 17th power. That's just for those eight prophecies. For 48 prophecies, and we know we talked about there's 191 that we can list out. For 48 prophecies, that's one times 10 to the 157th power. That's one times 10 to the 157th power for just 48 prophecies being fulfilled. That's more atoms than there are in the universe. I mean, that's just mind-blowing. And then you talk about 191 prophecies. That's not by chance. (laughs) That is not by chance. And it shows, proves without a shadow of a doubt that the Bible is accurate and it is reliable and the statistical probability is definitely affirmed. And we read from uh, Harold Hartziegler of the American Scientific Affiliation. He writes this, The manuscript for Science Speaks has been carefully reviewed by a committee of the American Scientific Affiliation members and by the executive council of the same group and has been found, in general, to be dependable, and accurate in regard to the scientific material presented. The mathematical analysis included is based upon principles of probability which are thoroughly sound, and Professor Stoner has applied these principles in a proper and convincing way. So we're talking about those stats where I said 48 prophecies. The chances of that happen is 1 times 10 to the 157th power. It goes along with those saying numbers don't lie. (laughs) And these stats definitely don't lie. So we see that there is statistical proof of the accuracy and reliability of the Bible. Now what about, we hear the Bible is canonized. So what about the canonicity of the Bible? And here's some principles for discovering the canonicity of the Bible. It's determined by God and discovered by man. So we have to ask, is the book authoritative? Does it claim to be of God? And is it prophetic? Was it written by a servant of God? And overwhelmingly, yes. We see in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, 
God, who at sundry times and in divers manners spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, last of all in these days hath spoken to us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom he made the world. And then we see in Second Peter chapter 1, verses 20 and 21, knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but mere men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So obviously, yes, the Bible is prophetic. The Bible is authoritative. It does claim to be of God. It is God's word. Is it authentic? Does it tell the truth about God, man, etc.? We read in Acts chapter 17, verse 11. Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these were true. And the word goes on to talk about how they came to the Lord and you know, they examined the word. They saw that it was true and they came to believe in the Lord. Is this book dynamic? Does it possess the life transforming power of God? And it most certainly does. Let's look at a couple of scriptures here. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Then in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. We've gone over a number of things the past two weeks, and again, I want to encourage you, you can check out both of these teachings on our Love and Action podcast. I will upload this teaching this coming week. And you can check out last week and this week's on the Love and Action podcast found pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts. And the thing is, we are going to come across people who are skeptical. And so we, these are some proofs that you can give them about the accuracy and the reliability of the Bible. And what we need to remember is we do have a responsibility to answer people's questions. And we need to give them a reasonable answer. And we need to make sure we're doing it in meekness and in truth. First Peter chapter 3, verses 15 and 16. But have reverence for Christ in your hearts, and honor him as Lord. Be ready at all times to answer anyone who asks you to explain the hope you have in you. But do it with gentleness and respect. So let's make sure we are humble, we are being gentle, and we're doing it respectfully. And we need to make sure we're keeping the door open to share the gospel. We do need to give people an answer. Now, don't make up something. <laughs> don't just think, well, i got to answer this question. If you don't know it, just tell them, I don't know it, but let me study it, and I'll get back with you and be sure to get back with them. And you'll gain more respect for being honest by telling the truth. But if you know the answer, then give them the answer. And when you do, say something like this. Now that I've given you some reasons for the reliability and accuracy of the Bible— does this change your thinking about Jesus? And for those who are still not equipped, yeah, you can say something like this. Why don't you believe that the Bible is as reliable as some of the historical books written around the same time period like Josephus or Homer's Iliad? After all, no one has heard of the Trojan cow, right? Why? 
because we know from history that Homer wrote about a Trojan horse, not a cow. But Homer wrote the Iliad about 800 B.C., and the earliest copy of the Iliad we have is 400 years later. So if we can be certain things from history, why is it that we cannot know that certain things about the Bible are true? That's a very valid question for us to ask back. And we can also say something like, I'm not asking why we can't know that everything about the Bible is true, but why can't we know that some of the basic historical events surrounding Jesus' life that the Bible records are, in fact, true? And when we go over archaeology evidence, even, manuscript evidence, there's just so much proof, and then we get into the stats, and that just blows you away, that there's just so much proof that the Bible is true. And as we're discussing this with people, we do need to understand that some people are going to, the light switch is going to turn on, if you will, and they're going to go, well, yeah, I I can see that. I can see where you're you're coming from now. And we need to ask them, you know, if you determine that what was said in the Bible about Jesus is true, that he really is the only way to God, would you follow him? If not, why not? And we need to remember that Jesus does say in Luke 16, 31, that some won't believe, even if someone was raised from the dead. So when you share Jesus with people, that one reason people don't is because they don't want to be rejected. But, you know, they're not rejecting you. They're doing something even worse. They're rejecting Jesus. And we don't want them to, but we can't force somebody to believe. We can present the facts to them and share what Jesus has done in our own lives and pray for them that the eyes of their hearts will be open and they can see the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ and what Jesus has done for them, what Jesus has done for all of us, and that they will come to salvation in Jesus Christ. And if that is you today, but you've heard these facts, these historical facts, these statistical facts, all, all the facts that I've been talking about today, and you realize that the Bible is true, and you realize that Jesus is true. He is the Messiah, the one and only Son of God, the only way to the Father, and you're ready to give your life to him, then I want to encourage you to pray to him. The Word of God says in Romans 10, 13, that all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So I just want to encourage you to do that. Pray any way that you can. Jesus will meet you right where you're at, and he will understand you. Well, you can pray something like, Father, I come to you. I know I'm a sinner. I need salvation. And I do believe your word is true. And I do believe that Jesus died on the cross. And on the third day, you raised him back to life. And I ask you to forgive me for all my sins and to cleanse me from all my unrighteousness. And I repent of my sins. I turn from from my ways and I turn to you. And I confess that, Jesus, you are my Lord. You are my Savior. I give you my life. Please fill me with your Holy Spirit now. And help me day by day to live for you. Thank you for saving me, Jesus. Thank you for giving me salvation. I love you. And it's in your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. Pray something like that. And I'd encourage you to contact me. I'd love to give you some information on next steps on how to live this life for Jesus. It's an awesome life, the the greatest life ever. It doesn't mean things won't still go wrong in life because we're in a fallen world. Things happen, but Jesus is with us, and it's awesome to know that he is with us no matter what's going on in our lives. Please call me at 334-494-4444.
888-345-4995 or email me at ken.tuck at loveinactionministries.com. He loves you. And before we end today, I want to give you a few websites you can visit to see some more information uh, to show the reliability and the accuracy of the Bible. Uh, you can go to pleaseconvinceme.com or christiananswers.net or biblecurie.org. You can go to those sites, check out more information, and I just pray that you will see that Jesus loves you, that the Bible is true, that it's accurate, and that you will give your life to Jesus. And those who are believers, share him with people. Share your testimony. Share what he's done in your life because people need to know that they're loved by Jesus. And people need to know that eternity hangs in the balance and that this is the most important decision of our lives. Well, thank you again for joining me this morning. I hope you have a wonderful day, that you'll have a great week coming up. And remember that Jesus loves you. And may God bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.